to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss. And today we have an awesome guest with us. Liz has her BFA in graphic design and is the owner of Hawaii Island Web Design. When she's not designing websites, she's photographing weddings or nannying kids. She is originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and visited the Big Island in October 2019 to learn about farming in South Kona. After four weeks, she decided she didn't want to leave. A few years later, and she's living in Waimea and a member of the Kauai High paddling team. She absolutely loves living on the Big Island and believes she has the best clients in the world. Welcome, Liz Stapleton. Hi, that was super nice. Thank you. Thank you for having me, both of you. This is really, I'm really honored. Um, I've been living on the island since 2019, like you said, and within the past six months, it's been a lot of change and meeting both of you and has also been a big part of that. And I'm just so I'm so thankful and grateful to have crossed your paths and be here today and talk about body positivity. I'm excited. Yes, I'm very excited for us to have a conversation. I I mean, Liz, we also have something to unveil at the very end, which is going to be really exciting. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna show some work that we've done together. Well, that's about all the teaser I'm gonna give right now before. Arliss dives into our first question. Absolutely. So exciting. So Liz, what part of your body has been the easiest to love? Um, my, can I swear? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my ass. <laughs> my ass has been the easiest to love. Um, and you know, the reason why, and it's funny, it's exactly like when you asked that question and I knew the answer, I also knew the, I knew the why as well. And I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. This is going to be perfect for body positivity <laughs> because the reason why it's so easy, it was so easy for me to love my ass growing up and, and into my twenties, mostly my twenties, um, was because everybody commented on it. You know, I've always received comments on how big it is. And of course, like that's a, that's a trend in itself, right? And where the bigger the ass, the better. There's this ass culture that I'm not sure why exists. It seems like it has something to do with appropriating black culture but I I don't know it's it's tough like I've always felt like my ass has been like the better part of me like the best part you know I mean it's the part that most people comment on uh that in my hair and so those two those two have been very easy I never question the uh validity of my ass or my hair that makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's kind of <laughs> that's my 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 two cents on that question. And the more I think about it, it's like really ridiculous that I even like you know like I'm I'm okay with those parts of my body because so many other people in my life 
men, women, you know, everybody, aunts, uncles, you know, parents, brothers, sisters, everything, everybody has made some kind of comment or some kind of, you know, not necessarily like sexually, but just some kind of comment, you know, and pulls it out, you know, nobody says anything about my shoulders. I don't know. <laughs> I think I have pretty great shoulders. Um, or elbows. I don't know. You know, it's so ridiculous. The more I think about it, I am curious, like what, with the, I'm, I kind of want to ask both of you the same question and I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, Arliss, what has been the easiest part of your, your body that you've, you've liked? I don't know if that was the question. I think the easiest part of my body to love has been my eyes. And I, I know we've had other guests ask us this question back before, and I don't remember what I said before. Um, but my eyes are really easy there. I also have received a lot of positive compliments on my eyes and I also really enjoy the way that they look and it's something that I can see. Um, I also have received a lot of positive comments on my butt as well. And I have a total bubble butt. I mean, literally you could probably like put a plate on the top of my butt and it would stay. Um, which is awesome. I, I love my butt. It's beautiful, uh, but I don't get to see it that much <laughs> without some effort. And so, um, <laughs> so I would say that the easiest part for me is my eyes. What about you, Diana? I was thinking the same thing. Arliss is like, what did I say last time? Um, and I, I, regardless of what I said, I think I said my waist, I would generally agree with that, that my waist is one of my, the easiest parts of my body to love, but I also have fabulous breasts. I have amazing skin and hair. Um, I love that I have a figure and hips and a butt. Like I love those parts of me as well. And yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot to love. And I think, I know we just asked about the one, but I felt like saying all the other parts, because I think that so many times we don't, we, we don't give ourselves even the space to like one part of our body and to get myself now to a place where I can actually name multiple parts of my body that I enthusiastically love, I think is growth. So I'm going to, I'm going li- to love all those parts. Uh, easily. (laughs) I love that. And I think that one of the things that I'm sure Diana, you would agree with, and probably you Liz too, um, is that when I I catch myself in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, Ooh, I, you know, I look good. And, um, and I'm much more likely to see myself in a mirror and think, Oh, that's beautiful. Or "I, I really love that instead of how I used to respond, which is I would see myself in the mirror and I might start picking myself apart or say, Oh, I don't, you know, that part I don't like, and I would focus on that. So there's definitely, I love most, I would say most of me at this point. Um, but it's been a journey. But Arliss, like, I think that, I think it's amazing that you're there, but it might be that someone who's listening has no clue how to get there. Cause I also remember being in that moment where I'm like, I'm just going to hate my body for the rest of my life. Like there's no way I can like anything about my body. There's nothing good about it. So how do we get from 
from that place of not knowing how to really love even a single part of our body to loving more of our body. Yeah, I think that for me, it starts with choosing one area and just showing that area love. Um, even if I don't feel that love genuinely in that moment, like really trying to cultivate that, that feeling of love. But Liz, for you, like when you transitioned into a place where you started loving your body, what were some of those first few steps that you took? Sure. So I still, I do want to like, you know, preface that I still struggle with loving my body. You know, this is like a, it's a, it's a journey for sure. And I would say that when I, when I started to really be, I'm going to say be okay with my body and be thankful and grateful for, for what it does and, and how, where it's got me and how I treat it. I think for me, that's, those, those are the steps that I talk, like just saying it out loud now is like, those are the steps that I've taken to really learn how to love my body more is, you know, for me, it's been, you know, every morning I, not every morning, but most mornings I make a smoothie with like a probiotic and like really good fruit. And when I eat that for me and when I, when I drink that, I feel like I'm doing something really nice for my body. You know, like I'm getting antioxidants, I'm eating my breakfast. I'm feeling, I feel really good about that. And that's, you know, I might not always look in the mirror and be happy with the look of my body. Um, and I think that's less how I feel and more about how, what's been projected onto me. Those aren't real. Those aren't really my feelings. And I I'm aware of that, that those aren't my feelings, but it's still hard to, to not feel those feelings. So I think for me, in order for me to kind of, you know, I don't want to say, I'm saying get over that, but what I mean is to really put that aside and focus on, you know, what is it? What, how, how can I treat my body really kind today. I can make this smoothie that I know is good for me. It's going to keep me healthy and feeling energized. Um, you know, the other thing now that I'm talking about, this is a really, I really like this conversation is that with alcohol, like I used to be a really, really big drinker. Arliss mentioned I'm from Boston and Boston has a huge drinking problem, always has. Um, um, and, and yeah, so drinking was a huge part of my life. Um, probably since I was about 15 to 29. So it wasn't until I was around 30 that I really started to analyze my life a little bit more in that, in that realm and say, Oh, I really, I really don't feel good after I drink. I don't feel good physically and I don't feel good about myself mentally. So that decision, it was a process. I started, I started cutting out, actually, it's funny how I started cutting out meat and then I, then I cut out alcohol and 
the meat part was because I was actually working at a, a barbecue restaurant and I was eating so much meat, like so like way too much meat. No more, no one person should be eating that much meat. And I decided enough is enough, Liz. Like you're not making very good decisions when it comes to eating because you're eating so much meat that I'm kind of the type of person who is like done, like, all right, that's it. No more meat. And I'm not even somebody who's like a huge fan of meat. I think it's just like, well, it's there and I'll eat it. And then sure. So I cut out meat and I did that for a while. I did that for like a year and a half, but also during that time I cut out alcohol. I said, no more drinking. That was when I was at the restaurant too, because we'd always drink after our shift. We always get like a free shift drink and we'd always end up staying there and drinking and getting drunk. And then I'd Uber home and the whole story. And then it was, yeah. So, so I cut out meat and then I cut out booze. And once I started doing, once I cut those things out and like eight months went by, I started to see changes to my body, small changes, you know, my clothes fit a little bit better. So I was, wasn't necessarily losing weight. I think I was just, I think I was less bloated, um, from all the alcohol, (laughs) my clothes started fitting better. That started making me feel good is when I felt, I felt, I felt more comfortable. Like now that I wasn't so bloated or like gassy and like the alcohol was out of my system and I wasn't feeling you know, I was still depressed because I have depression, but I wasn't as depressed. That was when I started to really feel better about my body and really appreciate my body, you know, and going vegetarian also really helped too. I had to challenge. It was a big challenge. And I was like, okay, so I guess I can't eat chicken wings tonight. So I should probably make something like better. (laughs) Like it was, it was, it was a challenge for sure. And, um, I like challenges. I'm a big uh, competitor when it comes to stuff like that. Not academically, but physically I'm a big competitor. So, yeah. Liz, one of the things that I loved uh, that you shared is that part of the journey to loving your body is, is the steps along the way. So maybe we're not at the place where we can love our body yet, but we can be okay with our body. And we can ask ourselves the question, you know, how can I treat my body more kindly? Or, you know, really think about, is this making my body feel good? Instead of have, instead of it seeming like loving my body is such a difficult thing, we can start, we can start to take the steps when we, when we see like the smaller steps along the way to loving our body. And, yeah, part of it is before we can even love it, we need to um, befriend it, right, a, a little bit, and um, start to start to develop some form of positive relationship with it. And it starts with being okay first. I love that. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, that that's. Um, I like how you sum that up. It's nice to hear that. Arliss, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I, I, what I really took away from what you said is that you started to feel more comfortable. And I know for myself that when I have 
chosen different things and I feel more comfortable in my body, less pain or just more ease and more peace within my body, it's much, much easier to feel love towards my body. So I think that finding that comfort level is definitely an individual process and different people will make different choices to find that comfort. Um, And I think that it's really a sacred journey to discover what choices are necessary to feel comfortable in one's body and to start that process of really feeling love. And it's, it's, it's just like any other relationship. When we feel comfortable with another person, we are definitely much more likely to feel deep love and connection to them. Um, so it's the same within ourselves, right? So the the follow-up to that question is what part of your body has been the most challenging for you to love? Mm. There's several parts of my body um, and for, for different reasons as well. You know um, the first one I think of is my feet. Um, I've had a lot of foot issues growing up. I had, I had, I played sports um, through college from when I was a kid and wearing cleats all the time and was so bad for my feet. And I, I ended up getting really bad bunions and having to get two bunion surgeries. Uh, and when I was in college and my feet really haven't been the same since then. Uh, I've got like really bad arthritis and I've got a lot of scar tissue and they just hurt if I'm on them for too long. So I think, my feet have always been, and, and they've always been like a big conversation, a to- topic of conversation, like within my family and, you know, playing sports and coaches and, you know, whether or not I can play today or practice, you know, like those, my feet have always been a struggle um, for me and they still are. So definitely number one for me is my feet. Um, and then other parts of my body that have been hard for me to love I'd say like my thighs and my waist and my arms oddly enough my chin that's a weird one um I'd say you know my thighs I've never been the most athletic thighs that I would want they've always like been close but not to like I see other, like I, I do a lot of, um, um, comparisons, you know, like this person, you know, looks like this and that's what I want to be. And I don't look like that. I don't think I'll ever look like that. And then it kind of just spirals from there. Um, I did have done and still do weightlifting. So for me, it's like, I see a woman, if I see a woman with very lean legs and very strong legs. I get, I get a little envious. I get a little jealous. I get, and then I get a little down, you know, like I was just feeling like, okay, well, what's the point kind of thing. So my legs definitely same with my arms. It's the same idea. This, this strength, this like, um, this lean, this lean muscle idea, with my thighs and my, my arms and my waist and I see um my mom 
my mom is somebody who I can, I, I, I look exactly like her physically, you know, or like the same person. And then as I get older, I see parts of my body. Like I see her and I see parts of my body is starting to look like hers, you know? And I'm like, Oh, wow. So then my head goes, wow, I'm going to look like that. That's how I'm going to look, you know, and whether sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that, you know? And, and that really makes me question. And it makes me think, Oh, like I should really work on that area or I should really, you know, I should really stay away from carbs if, if that's what I want to, you know, and that's where my brain goes. And I, and I try to, I try to kind of pause that or just (laughs) dissociate from that, which is not the healthiest, but I try to not think about that. I try to stay in the moment and I, and I try to appreciate my mom and where her body's taken her. And she's had four kids, like, holy crap. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's incredible. Like her body has been through massive, massive amount of stress four times in her life and other times as well, you know, besides birth, but like, it's an incredible, incredible body. I, I, I love her body for what it does for her in this, this, society's hacking at my brain you know like this idea this concept this ridiculous bullshit is is sitting there and saying well you know she could look better for her age you know she could try a little bit harder she could do this and she physically you know could be smaller tighter leaner you know, and I kind of hate, I kind of, I, I kind of, I really hate that voice. I really hate that voice. It's there, you know, it's kind of quiet. It's quieted down. As I get older, that voice gets much more quiet. Um, but it's still there. And it makes me even feel bad that I'm even thinking that. And then I feel bad. I'm like, oh my God, no, I feel bad that I'm looking at her and I'm thinking all these things. I'm not saying them out loud, but I'm still thinking them. And what's wrong with me? Or I should appreciate her body. So there's this shame spiral and and guilt and yeah. And I do, I really do appreciate her and 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 the parts of me that look like her. So, yeah, I don't know how I got into that from that question. Wow. That was a good question. (laughs) (laughs) They are, they are well-crafted. I will agree with you on that. Um, You know, some of, some of what I took away from what you shared is like, is the, that a lot of times the place where we don't love our body comes from a comparison instead of a real appreciation for what our body has done for us. And it can always like, you know, we can have those feelings of like, oh, it can be smaller, but there we're comparing our bodies uh, as if they've had the same experiences when they really haven't. Um, And yeah, I love that. I love what you shared about your mom and um, seeing the reflection or what can be and that shaping some of the decisions that you want to make in life. yeah. And I also really resonate with the feet thing. So I have bone spurs and a couple of issues that 
are part of what keep me out of the kitchen now. So I definitely resonate with the feet. <laughs> I, I really resonate with what you said, Liz. I also look exactly like my mom. Liz knows my mom. So does Diana. You both know my mom and I look exactly like her in so many ways. And we have very similar body types and um, she was actually very thin in her like early twenties and thirties. And I've never been a small person. And so she had the experience of being a very, very thin, being the thinnest person in our family. Cause we, we come from very voluptuous women and, um, and she is more curvy now. And I see my mom now. And I think, wow, you know, she's 76 years old and she looks like she's in her early 60s or something. And God, I hope I look just like her when I'm her age. Like she just she looks amazing to me Um, and how her butt like she still has a butt. Like I'm so excited to still have a butt when I'm 76. I mean, if you look at most 76 year olds, usually their butt is not as perky, you know, still beautiful, but not as perky. And her butt is just like so perky and perfect. And, um, she has hardly any gray hair at all. And she just, she lights up a room when she walks in, she's just gorgeous. And, and I will say that I didn't always feel that way. I didn't always feel that way because I was fearful of different things. And, And I'm grateful that I'm to a place where I can look at my mom and look at my mom's body and be like, yeah, like I'm a, I'm so excited. And I remember it reminds me very strongly of when I first started dating Matthew. Um, and he met my mother for the first time, my, my parents for the first time. And afterward we were, you know, going home from meeting the parents and all that. And I was like, Hey, you know, how was that experience? For you. And and he said something like, I'm so excited to watch you age was basically what he said. And I was and I thought, wow, like this is a person (laughs) that um, is not afraid of that process, you know, and can see my mother and how beautiful she is and how much we are similar. Now, I'm almost a foot taller than my mom. Not quite a foot, but more than half a foot taller than her for sure. But, um, but yeah, we, we are very similar and that really touched me that he said that. So, so those are the things that came up for me in your share, Liz. And thank you so much for being so honest and vulnerable. And, and there, you know, one of the wonderful things about this podcast is that it really opens up for our listeners to know that they're not alone you know, they're not alone. We are not alone. When we have those moments of self-doubt, when we have those moments of shame spiral, when we have those moments of looking at ourselves in the mirror and struggling to see things that we love, like most people on this earth have been there before and it's okay. And there's ways to come out of that too. So Liz... Would you be willing to describe for us one of your self-love or self-care practices? Absolutely. Okay. So one of my self-care 
and self-love practices is I do my best to meditate every morning. And what I mean by do my best is it doesn't always happen. Right. But, um, but I do my best to, to try to make it happen. And when I, when I meditate, I have a, a little pouch probably around maybe like two, two to three inches high. And in the pouch is um, two sets of rosary beads. Um, one is from my grandmother, my great grandmother on my mom's side. And the other is from my great grandmother on my dad's side. And I hold both of those in my hands and then I meditate. And I, I am not a religious person by standards. I don't practice any religion. Um, and I don't say the rosary, but I, there's something about holding those two, those two things in my hand, knowing that both my great grandmothers held those two and, and prayed, prayed to, to God or prayed to God and, and the things that they must've said, the things they must've said, the things they must've held close to them. Maybe they couldn't t- tell them to certain people. Maybe they, maybe they could, but, but they held them close to them. And then when they, they set them, they released them. And that I find so powerful and so cool that I get, I get to now carry that on and, and do that. And, and coming from a ancestral, you know, point of view and I've never been, I've never been a spiritual person. I've really, I grew up Catholic, but I kind of ditched that probably in my late teens and then didn't really find spirituality. I found it pretty hokey and and not really interested in it. Uh, And then probably since I moved to Hawaii, to be honest, and and a little bit before Hawaii as well, um, did I ever really give it some serious thought. Um, and then therapy, you know, I was going, I, I still go to therapy. I've been going to therapy every week for about a year and a half. And that has been a, a pretty huge turning point for me too. And working with my therapist and reading books. I mean, I, I have a book that I read every day. Um, it's, it's short chapters. It's like one to two page chapters and each one is a lesson or a story. And the name of the book is called, um, oh my gosh, I should know since I read it every day, but I don't know. Um, something unconscious, uh, consciousness, outrageous consciousness. Um, it's by, um, the doctor. Anyways, I, I pick it up after I pray and I hold my, my, um, my rosary beads and I do my meditation. I pick up the book and I ask my, I ask my grandmothers, you know, what lesson do you want to teach me today? And then I, and then I just open the book to any page. I read that. And then I take something from that. I past couple of days, I've actually been writing on a whiteboard in my work, in my office, a section from the thing that I read. So that's been kind of nice to like do the meditation, read the book, see the quote on the, on the, on the board. And that for me is that's it. Like, that's like a 20 minute thing, 15 to 20 minutes. 
Um, and like I said, I do my best to do it. If I don't do it, I don't do it. I don't get upset with myself. I just say, well, you can do it tomorrow. That's fine. And then I do it the next day or I don't, but I, ha- but I try my best. And that's my, my self-care practice that I share. That I shared with you all. I love that. That's amazing. I love that you're so gentle with yourself and that you really give yourself space to show up in the way and where you are each day. And I also love the legacy of what you're doing. Um, I come from a long line of ministers in my family. Um, My mother used to be a minister, her sister, um, was an active minister up until the day that she passed. I have uh, cousins who are ministers and and lineage back before that too. And I don't necessarily re- um, resonate with that particular religious view at this time in my life. Um, but I'm also in training to become a minister uh, in the spiritual practice that I practice. And, and I, I feel very grounded in connecting with that legacy. And so I love that you connect, um, connect to your legacy, connect to your great grandmothers and, and, do it through meditation where they used to do it through prayer. And for me, prayer and meditation are really not that different. They're very similar. So what about you, Diana? Yeah, I love the idea of holding on to something that your grandmothers or your great grandmothers, was it? Um, Held on to uh, and praying and like thinking of them as well as you select a passage, like that kind of reminds me of the way that I play with like the I Ching or I'll play with like my affirmation cards when I do, um, when I do my practice. And I really like that idea of writing down a quote, like something, a message that they have or hold for you for that day. It's, it's as if it gives a day more of a purpose. Um, and, you know, I, I know that you mentioned before uh, depression do you like do you find that this like how do you find that this practice helps you in some of those times I'd love for you to share um, your insight absolutely Um, depressions it's tough you know there's what the meditation does for me is it brings I'm able to recognize what is my depression and what is, what is, what's me, what's me and what is my depression? You know, my depression is self-criticism. It's um, tiredness. It's feeling inadequate. It's feeling, um, it's feeling bad about myself, feeling like I'm a bad person feeling like I can't do anything. It's really, it's mostly negative. It's all negative. Um, So what the meditation does for me, for my depression is that 
it really brings it brings me in focus it says you know i'm able to oh okay this is how i'm feeling today like my depression is feeling like like a four or five today out of ten you know like i'm i'm at a four and a five that's that's a good day that's a good day right there so um if i wake up and i start meditating and i feel like i'm at like an eight or a nine i'm like okay today is gonna be hard today you're probably gonna have to take frequent breaks you're probably gonna have to take a nap at some point you may eat like shit um fyi (laughs) give yourself a heads up um I just really cherish the days or I really am grateful for the days that my depression is at a low number is I'm using numbers, but you know, really it's, it's a feeling, but a number is a good way to measure. Um, yeah. And, and I think what the meditation does is it, it, it sets the tone of the day. Okay. So I'm feeling like I'm a three today and I think I can, I can get a lot of work done today. I think, I think uh, when I'm on a three, like that's great. You know, um, one of the other things too, I just want to, I want to mention, and cause, cause for listeners, for anybody who's, um, struggling with the idea of, of taking medication or not taking medication or whatever, whatever you feel you need, I, I just want you to make sure that you're doing exactly what you think you need to be doing, because I think, <laughs> encouraging someone to take medication or to not take medication is really, I feel a personal choice. And, um, for me, I do take medication. It is, I find it to be incredibly helpful. Uh, other people do not. And I respect that as a choice. And I, I'm very, I just, I also want people who are on medication to feel like, great i'm very like you know we're, we're, we're doing the thing and people who are not on medication also great you're kicking butt i think that's awesome so i just wanted to put that out there for for anyone who else anyone else who's struggling with depression and and maybe getting some input from others family friends whoever saying oh you should try medication it's like you know what you just do you whatever you're comfortable with (laughs) um yeah hopefully that I think that answered your question though yes I love that we talked about a little meditation and medication um yeah because it's it's all a form of healing and with that right it's like we do get to make choices and I think I'm hearing you really leave this space open for us to explore what's right for us and to, to really listen to ourselves is kind of what I heard in, um, in your answer. And thank you so much for your honesty. I, I really value that. I know our list does too. Absolutely. And I just want to put it out there uh, for somebody that has had chronic health issues from a very young age. um, A lot of the things that I do for my health are um, holistic now. They would be considered holistic. So not Western medicine. And frequently I have people ask me, oh, does that mean that you've just forgone Western medicine completely or or expect me to be on a bandwagon against Western medicine? And 
I'm not. I'm not saying that any one thing is better than the other. I think that having all the choices is important and deciding that one thing is philosophically bad or wrong over another is not necessarily helpful, especially if it's not your choice to be made. Um, I think it's really important to support people in using the options that are right for them. And that might look different from person to person. And how I have, um, you know, overcome a terminal illness or a terminal diagnosis, a genetic condition, um, and, and manage that in a really positive way looks very, very different than almost every other person I've talked to that's been diagnosed with this condition. And that's okay. And so, um, what I hear Liz saying is make the choice for yourself, become informed, um, you know, try the things that you feel comfortable trying that your intuition says this is good to do or not do. Um, And I, I really appreciate that message because for me, you know, using some aspects of Western medicine are life-saving. They have literally saved my life and using some aspects of holistic or, um, or non-Western medicine have been life-saving and have saved my life. So I think that it's good to look at all the options. Absolutely. I, um, I'm glad that you, you said all that. That was, that was also like kind of just emphasizing my point, you know, and, and I'm so glad to hear that you're okay, that you're doing well. Like you, you, you look well and like you sound well. And, um, I think the other thing I want to quickly briefly say about the last thing I'll say about like medication too, is that the journey that I, to, to get where I am today, where I'm like totally like on board with being on medication, it has been one hell of a journey. Like I can't tell you, I've maybe tried four or five different medications over the span of three years. Like this has not been something I've gone off of it and it completely, I've just wiped it out and I was like, never going to do it again. And then I come back to it. So it's not been a smooth journey by any means. And I'm finally getting to a spot where I feel like I've, I, I think I've chosen the right medication the right dosage. Um, um, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. You know, there's days up at, you know, ups and downs for sure. Um, but my panic attacks are less. I'm getting much better sleep. Um, you know, just, just a lot of other different things that are coming into play. You know, I'm eating, choosing better foods for myself and, you know, I'm not, I'm not crying all the, I'm not crying as much. Um, there's just much, just little tiny differences. Um, so yeah, I just, I just want to say that being on medication and choosing a right medication is, a, is an absolute journey and it's a hard, hard journey. And like Arliss, like you said, some of your, your Western medicine, have been life-saving and that's the same for me. I, I can say that as well. Like, you know, there was a point when I was fired from my job or laid off technically. Um, 
I would say like eight weeks later, I like went to my doctor and I was like, you got to do something here. I don't, I don't know what's going on with my brain. I feel awful. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I need help. Like I just need it, you know? And like, that was a dire need. And at that point, you know, it, I mean, it took a couple of weeks for the medication to kick in, but I knew I just knew that taking that step to the get to, to do that was enough for me to be like, okay, like you're doing something for yourself, self-care, like you're doing something. This feels good. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share that and, and talk about that as well, but yeah. Thank you for your vulnerability and honesty. Um, I also went through a period of time right after I was diagnosed within the first couple of years of being diagnosed when I was told that I probably wasn't going to live more than a couple of years where it was very hard for me to be in a good mental space. And I definitely um, was at a place during that time where the idea of still trying to be alive and be healthy was a struggle. And I also reached out. Um, and it's the best thing I ever did. Like that, that time in my life when I decided to reach out for help. Um, I, I still look back on that time now when I'm in challenge or having a challenge and I look back on it and know I fought to live. I chose to stay here on this planet and to figure out how to be healthy and live a life. And I'm so glad I did. And when I look back on that, honestly, the challenges that come up in my life now pale in comparison. Um, not to say that they're not valid, but they certainly look much less challenging when looking back on that day in my life. And so um, you know, I encourage all of our listeners, if you are in a place where, you know, putting in the effort to live that day feels hard, seek help. There are, there are so many organizations and doctors and people out there that want to help. Um, there are free call-in lines. There are free texting lines. There, there's just a lot of resources out there now. And, and it's okay to ask for help. And those people really do want to help you. And as someone that has used that service myself, um, it saved my life. And that's just one area um, that it helped me. And being able to get myself out of that place in that day, but then also engaging in the support that they provided. Um, it's something that I still is still valuable to me now, even gosh, it's been six, seven years later. So. Yeah. I hear it as something that is a, a choice, um, to choose ourselves, to fight, to live, um, to, to decide that we're going to take care of ourselves, uh, and ask for help. And that can be such a challenging 
decision to make because we can have those feelings of like, I can handle this myself. I can do whatever, but it's that reaching out. It's the being willing to receive help that is life-changing in that moment, I think. And, um, and I love that. I love uh, both of you sharing that. Thank you. Liz, what, what would be one tip that you would give to reconnect to your body when any old negative thought patterns arise? Um, the one tip I would use, well, there's a couple, but the one is, I'm just thinking right now is like, if something comes up and I'm, like you said, and it's, I'm feeling really negative, feeling a self-critic. I, I tell myself, these are not my thoughts. They're not mine. They're not mine. Like they're happening inside, but I have a thing called depression and those are where the thoughts are coming from. But who I am, um, who I am inside is separate from that. So I see those thoughts. I hear those thoughts. And when I get them, I think, I hear you. I see you. I acknowledge you. But you're more of like a passenger. You're not a driver. You know, and like that, (laughs) that has, has been a huge journey you know, that, that person was a driver. It has been a driver for a very long time. And to get to the point where you're like, I see you and I acknowledge you and you're, I like you. Like I, I I care about you and I know that you're just trying to keep me safe. That's all I know that you're doing. You're just there to try to keep me safe, but sorry. You're just going to sit there and you're just going to talk and and, and I'll acknowledge you and keep going, but you're not driving. So that's the one thing I say to myself is these are not your thoughts. These are not your thoughts. Um, And then the other thing I do, if I'm really like, if I have a panic attack or if I get really, if I start to spiral, um, I try my best to do this breathing exercise, I have, it has a name, but I can't remember the name where you, you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for seven and you release for eight. Um, and that is supposed to calm down your central nervous system, which is the system that is activated when you're having anxiety attack. Um, or your, your, in my case, it's, it's your trauma state. Um, my trauma state is, is I freeze. And so when I'm feeling really anxious, really overwhelmed, or if I'm, you know, my, my fight or flight comes in and and my response to that is I freeze. So one way to get out of that, or one way to try to get yourself out of that doesn't always work is to do this rhythmic breathing, which is breathe in for four, hold for seven, release for eight. Um, that's, that's the second thing that I do. If those two things do not work, I just write it out. Like it's just, it's just a matter of writing it out or maybe I call somebody or call a, I'll call a friend, um, a friend that I know will just kind of like sit there on the phone, <laughs> not say anything and just like, let me go through it. That usually takes me out of it. So, yeah. I love that. 
You know, Liz, one thing that you mentioned continually throughout this um, is that there are both parts of you. There's a part of you that knows knows better or can kind of see more objectively your higher self in a way. And then this other part of you. And it's in acknowledging that that other part of you that is more is disempowering, for example, um, is still there. But that as long as it's getting smaller or has is more in the backseat or now it's, you know, it's like hiding in the trunk, trying to kick the trunk open kind of thing. Um, that that's what really matters is that we're putting who we want, the thoughts we want in the driver's seat as much as we can. And also knowing that when we can't like allowing ourselves to ride through the experience and, and, and honor it and, and ask for help, you know, just have somebody be with us so we don't feel that, um, that aloneness that can happen too. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. So our final question of the day is what are some body image expectations or societal norms that you feel like you are stepping out of? Um, long hair for me. I've always had long hair. Um, and it's always been a pain in the ass. So I've never liked having long hair. <laughs> so I, I, um, and I know that, that women have been cutting their hair short for many decades, you know, um, but for me, it was a real, that was a real big one because I got so many comments on my hair. You know, the vet, we're going back to like your first question a little bit is like feeling like my hair is like a huge part of my identity. So when I cut, actually, I got a lot of, I got a lot of grief when I cut my hair. I got a lot of, of feedback, unwanted feedback. Um, why did you cut your hair? Oh my God, I loved it long. You look so good with long hair. Are you growing it out? Like so many comments where I'm like, I just didn't like long hair. <laughs> like, um, so that's one, that's one for sure. The other one is not wearing a bra. I hate wearing a bra. God, I hate wearing a bra. And I would try any, any, there are very like small situations where I will wear a bra. For example, I didn't put a bra on with the shirt this morning, you know, and it's kind of, it's from Target. So, you know, it's not, it's cheap. So it's kind of see-through and you could see my nipples. And I was like, oh, I don't wear a bra, you know? And I was just like, every time that I see my nipples through a shirt, I'm always like, when is this going to end? When are people not going to be offended by nipples? Like, Cause I just don't want to wear a bra. Like I don't want to wear a bra anymore. I hate wearing bras. So, so that's definitely one. on that crusade, Liz. <laughs> oh God, just enough with the nipples. Like gives a shit. So I was home in Boston. I'll make this super short. We're running out of time, but I was home in Boston and I didn't wear a bra. I, I, I don't wear a bra. Like, you know, so I don't wear bras and like, I can tell, like, I, I didn't get, I didn't get as many comments as I thought I would. I think, I think my family's like getting better about that. Um, and because I live in Hawaii now and I think there's this like, oh, well she lives in Hawaii, you know? Um, 
definitely got a couple looks when I was out at stores for sure. Like uh older woman, I swear to God, she was locked in like, you know, and my, my breasts are not big and, and not to say that that matters. It's just the attention they get. I I would feel awful if I was someone with large breasts because this woman probably would have been making a scene. I don't know. But I was just, I knew what she was looking at. I knew she was looking at my boobs. And I was like, this is it. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> this is, you know, never going to see you again. So this is going to be the only time you're going to see my boobs. And maybe you haven't seen anybody else's boobs in a really long time, but they're pretty much like you're yours. So yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so I, I, I hate bras. Uh, I don't like my, I don't like long hair on me. And, um, let me see. There was another social, oh, shaving my legs. I do that like once a month, once a month, I shave my legs. Um, I used to not shave them or my armpits and then my hair kept getting caught on stuff. And that actually would hurt, including my leg hair would get caught, like my pants. I'd like take my pants off and it hurt. I'd be like, how, oh, what is that? Um, and it was my, my leg hair, my armpit hair. Um, so men, I don't know. I don't know what your deal is with that. You just must get it caught and maybe you don't, I don't know. So yeah, body hair, long hair, no bras and underwear, like screw underwear. Like a lot of times I don't wear underwear and but nobody really knows about that. I don't get any comments on that. So <laughs> um, um, that's actually the, the, the easiest one. <laughs> oh my God. We've had, we've had quite a conversation today. Um, I love that. Arliss, I was just going to share something special that we'd been working on. And I wanted, I was hoping that you would tease our listeners and in, as I get ready to introduce it. Absolutely. So one of Liz's fantastic, amazing talents is that she is a badass rock star photographer. And on the day that Diana and I met for the very, very first time ever in person, Liz came down and photographed us in our very first meeting and our very first day together. And we get to unveil to you these incredible photos. Here we go. Do you see them? Oh, no, I see notes. Oh, there we are. Hold on. There we go. Do you see it? Yes. Check us oh. out. Woohoo! I don't see it. I don't see it. You don't see it. Oh, hold no. on. Okay. Let me try again. Okay. Now, can you see it? Not yet, but it might just be my internet. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yes, yes. And shortly we will be... Oh, thank you, Liz. It was so much fun taking photos and uh, and being on the beach and on the big island and meeting Arliss for the first time was epic. <laughs> I love it. 
Absolutely. And just because the teasers can continue, um, tomorrow we will be unveiling a registration page to sign up to join us for our official body positivity launch party on August 31st. Amazing. Yeah, so expect a, a link and the website soon. We'll be sharing it with all of you. But I just, I love that photo. I mean, you, you just totally captured the joy in both of us, Liz. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It was super fun. I loved, I loved hanging out with you too. I want to do one again. I, next time you're here, I'd love to just take, you know, I'd want to do some more sunset ones. That's what I, I would love to yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. We will make that happen. I know a little secret birdie told me that Diana is coming over later this month. So, <gasps> oh, you have to. Yes, yes, please, please, please reach out to me. Awesome. Yes. So, thank you, Liz, for coming on as our guest and just doing so many amazing shares and really giving real honesty and vulnerability to our listeners and really showing them that they're not alone in these different things can, that can feel very isolating and very hard. So thank you so much. Thank you both. This was so cool. I, I have never done this before and I just, I just loved it. I love talking about it. And if somebody can benefit from this, that would be great. If nobody can, that's also great. That's fine. So I'm just, I'm just happy to be here and I appreciate you two, both of you just reaching out to me and hiring me for, for photo shoots and logos and just investing in me, you know, trusting me, liking, you know, enjoying my work. So I really, really, really appreciate both of you. I'm grateful. Awesome. And yeah. And just for our listeners, if you are looking for photography, logos, or web design, Liz is the person to reach out to. So thank you all again for joining us today. And thank you to my amazing co-host Diana, and we will see you all next week. Bye.